the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD in an uncertain economy. If you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to KirkElliottPhD.com and make an appointment today. Coming up, I'll explain how an Obama judge approved widespread surveillance, not only on Trump, but also on anyone who liked his tweets. What? Debbie's going to join me. We're going to talk about the only type of multiculturalism that works, the latest exploits of Elon Musk, how Derek Chauvin got shafted, and Hamas videos that we can't seem to get out of our minds. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. The way that police states work is you need, it's not enough to have, let's say, a corrupt prosecutor who is trying to get Trump. Because the prosecutor cannot operate alone. The prosecutor needs the cooperation, the assent of an equally corrupt, ideologically motivated judge. And here is uh, a case of this. You have Jack Smith, the special counsel, going to an Obama-appointed judge. This is the head of the chief judge of the D.C. Uh, federal uh, court. Um and this is Judge uh, Beryl Howell. And uh, Jack Smith goes, I not only want to curate all of Trump's tweets, which, by the way, are out there. You could do that. But I now want to make a compilation. I want to do surveillance. I want to compile an extensive list of every time Trump retweeted something, if he t- tried to tweet something and then deleted it, I want to capture a screenshot of that. And I want a full inventory of everyone who liked one of Trump's tweets. This is, of course, in the regime uh, before, um, well, it, it overlaps with Elon Musk's purchase of, of, of X. And um, now this is not, this is something that, uh, that, that is not obvious that it should be granted. There are certain specified conditions in the law in which you can have this kind of order. And not only did Jacksmith want an order to do all this, he wanted a non-disclosure order, which means that the judge signs off on the fact that X is not only forced to turn this stuff over, but it cannot tell Trump. It cannot tell Trump that they're doing this. He's a defendant, but it is a, it's like a secret order. Now, let's think first just about the sheer preposterousness of this. Why are you collecting the names of people who like Trump's tweets, if not to to create a database of kind of enemies of the state? Can you think of any other motive? Well, I can. I guess Jack Smith's motive was, you know, I kind of want to get an overall picture of whether Trump is inciting. But you don't need the people liking Trump's tweets. You just have to look at Trump's tweets themselves. Is he inciting anyone to do anything? Well, let's see what the tweet says. Trump is not even responsible for who likes or doesn't like uh, or retweets him. And yet here's Jack Smith. And you can see what we Israel motive clearly appears to be. Let's make let's get a MAGA list here. And then we'll have a nice group of people that not only we, because ultimately these documents do become and can become public. Uh, there will be a very nice um, database for um, for Democrats to be able to go over. Maybe not even me, but other prosecutors. Now, to get this non-disclosure order, uh, you have to satisfy some conditions. Like, why would you not tell the defendant you're doing this? Uh, apparently, you have to, you, judges grant these orders based on some potential harms. One is 
endangering the life or physical safety of an individual. That's obviously not involved here. Destruction or tampering with evidence. That's obviously not involved here. Nothing is being destroyed or tampered with. Intimidation of potential witnesses. That doesn't apply here either. Liking a Trump tweet or retweeting it is not intimidating anybody. Somehow jeopardizing an investigation. That's not involved here. And so the only other condition, the only other reason to keep this secret, to not reveal it until now, is uh, Trump is a flight risk. In other words, you don't tell the defendant because the defendant might be plotting to flee. And guess what? Jack Smith intimated that Trump may be plotting to flee. Flee what? Flee the country? What? And the judge, Beryl, um, Judge Beryl Howell agreed Trump is a flight risk. Now, again, this is so crazy that subsequently, later, the Justice Department and the judge tried to clean up this part by going back into the record with footnotes and basically saying, no, we didn't really think he was a flight risk. We didn't really mean to say that. And and the reason for that is just because you cr- you've created a record, which is prima facie absurd. Um, and of course, vulnerable to appeal it goes to an appellate court and they look, Trump is a flight risk. That was the rationale for granting this. And you basically go, you had no right to do that. So now they're going back to say, well, that was not the reason. Well, if that was not the reason. What was the reason? Where's the other reason among the, the criteria I just mentioned? And the answer is there really isn't any. So this is really pernicious police state stuff. Uh, there's a kind of, um, the point I make in the film, and, and, and I think this is important for us to realize, is it's all covered in the facade of law, right? The guy files a motion, Jack Smith does, and then Judge Beryl Howell signs off on it. And then there is a, a warrant that's presented to Twitter, and Twitter resists to its credit, resists the, but Twitter is then uh, overruled by the judge. Uh, Twitter appeals and then an appellate court, also democratically um, dominated by Democratic appointees, over sustains the judge, Beryl Howell, and forces Twitter to, to turn over this data, fines Twitter, in fact, for delaying and doing it. So this is the way in which the police state exercises naked brutality, but naked brutality kind of covered up or veiled uh, with the facade, with the pretense Uh, of following the dictates of the law. Here's a sensible idea to consider. Diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe. It's Birch Gold Group's most popular special of the year now through December 22nd. For every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they'll send you a one-ounce silver eagle coin for free. Text to Nesh to 989898 to claim your eligibility now. You can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's Precious Metals Specialists help you convert an existing IRA of 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold for no money out of pocket. And they'll send you free silver for every $5,000 you purchase. Keep it for yourself or give something with real value as a stocking stuffer this year. Just text the keyword Dinesh to 989898 to claim your eligibility with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers, including me. Now's the best time to buy gold from Birch Gold. Text Dinesh to 989898. Claim your eligibility for free silver on qualifying purchases before December 22nd. Debbie and I are, well, this week we're doing a Thursday roundup rather than a Friday uh, roundup. And we want to start by talking about the issue of multiculturalism. Now, for several decades, we've been assured that multiculturalism is the way to go. It's an unadulterated good. It's a great blessing to societies, cultural enrichment, a diversity of peoples and cultures and cuisines and ideas. And presumably, this is a lot better than having, well, I guess you'd call it a homogenous or maybe a monocultural society. Now, I think that, first of all, the idea of monocultural societies is, is, uh, is not right. I mean, it's silly. Why? Because societies that seem monocultural on the surface, look at India. India is pretty monocultural in the sense that it's Indian people all over the place, but 23 different languages, 
a vast, uh, for many, many different religions, at least seven or eight major ones, and then a bunch of minor ones. People eat different types of cuisine. Hindustani is only spoken in one part of the country, not the other. So the idea that India is a monoculture is not even true. It's just that the Indians resemble each other. They're all brown, but they're very different in many ways. Uh, Japan is a homogenous society. What's wrong with Japan? Nothing at all. Uh, um, Ireland is a, what, 90 or 92% white? What's wrong with that? Nothing at all. And yet, there are people in Ireland, including apparently the Irish prime minister who thinks Ireland is too white. <laughs> Ireland needs to let in more Muslims and more more brown people and more black people because apparently he's bought into the idea that multiculturalism is a great idea and that there's something wrong with a country being 92% white. Now, I want W goes to weigh into this, but I mean, think about this. Nobody else says this, right? Have you ever heard an African leader go, the Congo is too black? You know, no, they never say that. Uh, you know, Somalia is too black. Um, they never say that. They assume that Africa is a black continent, largely for black people. There are, of course, some whites in South Africa and so on. But um, what do you think about this? We were talking about, you were saying there's only one type of multiculturalism that works. Well, as... As someone who came to this country not speaking English, right? I, I was, I, I picked it up really quickly, but I didn't speak it and I, and I really didn't like it. But I knew, even as a 10 year old, I knew that this was my adopted country. Of course, my mother is, is, you know, Mexican American from the Rio Grande Valley. But, um, even, even in, in some parts of, of that culture, they retain the Mexican culture more than the American culture. So they celebrate Cinco de Mayo. They celebrate all the Mexican festivities and all of that. And, and not so much the 4th of July and all of those things. Well, I was determined to do that, not, not retain the nationality of, I guess, of my, of my own culture, because I had two cultures. I had the Venezuela culture and the Mexican American culture. But I decided very early on that I was going to be an American and that American values, American history was going to be important in my life and in my offspring whenever, you know, whenever I had a family, that that was important. So that is why when I went off to college and, and LULAC came knocking at the door. League of, uh, <laughs> LULAC, League of United Latin yeah. American Citizens. And some of these guys, I mean, some of these guys are really radical. They're like, well, you know, half of the United States has, should be given back to Mexico. Yeah. yeah they have so very, they, very La Raza, uh, mentality and, and they couldn't understand why, why I was not embracing that. And, and basically they started calling me kind of a sellout and that, you know, I thought I was Anglo and this and that. And, and basically, you know, I had only been in the United States about eight years at this point. So Spanish was still very much a, my language. I still spoke it very well and, um, almost you native. Know, yeah. Right. And so then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go full Spanish on this guy. Turns out he couldn't even speak it. So I was like, really? So you're telling me that I am not, that I can't embrace my, my Latin American culture and roots and roots and, and you can. And yet I speak the language and you don't. So I think he kind of left me alone at that point and decided that I was kind of a lost cause. But I always felt like the only way to really make it work is to assimilate in the society that you came to. Yeah, I think right? this is the point you're making. The larger point is this, that there is a type of multiculturalism that can work, but it's a multiculturalism that is incorporated within and subordinated to a shared national identity. Right. Right. So if we all embrace the Constitution, we all embrace the laws, we embrace patriotic symbols, we defend the country and its values, then it doesn't matter if you mm -hmm. want to go eat, you know, chicken tikka masala or I do, and somebody else yeah. wants to eat and enchiladas. Someone, someone really liked that <laughs> so chicken, somebody chicken tikka masala. Once about every two weeks, I kind of get the, <laughs> the Indian 
But uh, uh, the thing about Indian no, food too say, is that Debbie's like, yeah. you know, in fact, at one point you were like, I'm going to make it for you. And uh, then you yeah. realize that when you look yeah. at the recipe, oh, you were gosh. expecting like four list, or five. The list of ingredients is alone. endless, <laughs> endless. And I said, you know what, honey? I think we'll just go eat at Amarina. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we pick a local restaurant. And uh, so I think this is right. There is multiculturalism that can work, but it has to work within a patriotic framework. Hey, remember the old commercial, how do you spell relief? I spell it relief factor right here. Christmas is coming up and I can't think of a gift that's better than feeling good again. It's even better perhaps than getting a new car. Well, here's an idea, relief factor. It's the gift that helps people relieve pain and feel good once again. Relief factor is a daily supplement that helps your body fight back against pain. It's 100% drug free. Relief Factor was developed by doctors searching for a better alternative for pain. Relief Factor uses a unique formula of natural ingredients like turmeric, omega-3s to help reduce or eliminate the everyday aches and pains you are experiencing. Whether it's neck, back, joint, or muscle pain, Relief Factor can help you feel better. Unlike pills that simply mask your pain for a short time, Relief Factor helps support your body's natural response to inflammation so you feel better all day, every day. See how Relief Factor can help you with their three-week quick start kit? It's only $19.95. It comes with the Relief Factor's Feel Better or Your Money Back Guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. The number again, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. When you feel the difference, you know it works. Elon Musk is the talk of the nation today. He's certainly the talk of X, but more than X because of his kind of, well, I'm going to call them sparkling comments in a public conversation with a guy named Aaron Sorkin. And um, and Sorkin was, you know, I think this guy is, is your typical kind of media entertainment dullard, you know, and he's like, well, uh, you know, and is it true that the advertisers are mobilizing against you? And he's sort of expecting Elon Musk to get into this tedious, well, the advertisers are mistaken and the percentage of hate on Elon doesn't even go there. He basically goes, well, don't advertise. And then he uses the F word. F you. Oh, and yeah. in fact, he, he uses it by yeah, name. Yeah, They're yeah. talking about Bob, Bob Iger, uh, Iger, who is the, I guess, the CEO of Disney. And he goes, Bob, if you're in the audience, F you. You know, oh, so, know. this is Elon Musk. And Elon Musk is really making the point that in the end, it's the market that decides. Uh, you want to try to boycott X? Well, in a sense, Think about it. That also means you can't advertise on X. And Disney is not exactly flourishing as a company. People are sick of this perverted operation called Disney. I mean, one time Disney used to be Americana, innocence, inspiration. Now it's the like creep on the street that your parents tell you to stay away from. So I saw a whole train of people on X. They're like canceling Disney Plus, not seeing any more Disney movies. I'm done with Disney. So now what has happened because of uh, the fact that X is so much more open to free speech, a free speech lobby is emerging on X. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think, very important. Yeah. But 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 so Elon is so funny because he also is is kind of subscribing to the same like Malay style. Like Malay, you oh, know. Javier Malay. Javier Malay. Uh, Viva la libertad, carajo. You know, I mean, that's a kind of, he's cursing there, you yeah. know. And, and he calls, he calls, li- yeah, not, not liberals in the liberal sense, you know, classical liberals, but he calls the left idiots. And, and S-H-I-T. He, and he, S-H-I-T. And he tells them to F off and all of this stuff, you know, that, that is just, it just, it was not done before. It was not done. Trump does a little bit and of it. Trump does a little bit of it, but I don't think Trump has been dropping the F-bomb. No. In the minute he starts. And, and there are know, others, <laughs> there are others who are in the same mode who don't do it. Like Georgia Maloney doesn't do it. Right. And, and of course, even Geert Wilders in the Netherlands yeah, yeah. is a very urbane guy with yeah. this kind of coiffed up hair and yeah. kind of speaks in a clipped way. But this is a, this is now becoming a kind I of. I think, and I I also think that it's just that that they're fed up. They're fed you up, you know. Yeah, and and that 
Because, you know, as you know, I, I'm very straight-laced, but even I used the F word one time, remember? Well, you did one so, time, and, and you were fed up. At, some at guy was your, screaming at me yes, at, an, at, yes. a, at an event. It was the University of it Michigan University or Michigan State. Of Michigan State, yeah. yeah, yeah. They tried and, to shut you down, and it was being live-streamed. And, and I see all kinds of straight-laced people on X, you know, who never with themselves oh, use that kind of language, yeah. but they're like no, but cheering that's Elon Musk. I, I don't know what happened in my... I just let the my blood boil or something. <laughs> I don't know, and I... I I literally did it and, and then I, re- I regretted it immediately, of course, but I got, I, ca- I got my, I caught up in, into that like, oh, you can't do this, you know, kind right. of mentality. And I'm sure these guys who are not straight laced have no hesitancy in doing that. So that's, yeah. I think, what we're seeing. We're seeing that phenomenon of like, I mean, I'm this is up. the extreme, uh, not only bravery, but in some ways, this is Elon Musk using his influence. And that's a, that's a term I've used on the podcast. So many people do not use their influence because they're a little afraid. And Elon Musk is like, I have the money. I have the power and, and I have a weapon. I have a platform. It's a huge platform. It is in fact the only platform where any, in, anything interesting is going on. What's going on on, on YouTube? It's brain dead over there. What's going on on Facebook? It's brain dead over there. Yeah. If you want to find your college friend and, you know, meet up for sangria, you can do it on Facebook or through Facebook. But X is a platform that's like bristling with electricity. And in some ways, Elon Musk has now come to symbolize. Yeah. That. But but the reason for the attack on Elon Musk is because of the uh, the the fact that they the left made up that he was an anti semite, right? Right. And and the really interesting thing is, I subscribe to this to this publication in in Israel called Haritz Haritz Haritz, a left wing uh, Israeli publication, very anti Netanyahu. Oh in fact, yeah. When you look at it, you realize the echoes between the American left, absolutely, the European absolutely. left, and and so what caught my eye was this opinion article: Why Netanyahu loves anti-Semites like Elon Musk so much? And I thought, what? What? Let me start world? with the premise, right? Yeah. In fact, I said, I I said um, yesterday on the podcast that Elon Musk's presence in Israel. He's meeting Netanyahu, he's meeting with rabbis, he's meeting with Israeli leaders, does a lot symbolically to diffuse the idea or, or to diffuse any false impression that he might be an anti-Semite. But here is yes. here's Haaretz digging in yeah. uh, and going with the, le- you know, it's almost like these the guys get narrative. the memo. Mm-hmm. This is the narrative. Mm-hmm. Preposterous though it may be, I'm sure there are people at Haaretz who know Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite. Right. But they don't mind the smear because they're anti-Elon yeah, Musk. Yeah, and they hate Netanyahu. And, and it says, and one, one by one, Netanyahu and his, court, and his courtiers have reached out to some of the world's most prominent Jew haters, offering them absolution for their sins and Israel's official license to carry on. By taking Musk to the scene of the Hamas ma- massacres, he's also expropriating Jewish suffering to whitewash his anti-Semitism and his promotion of other anti-Semites on his website. Um, well, let's so start with clearly. the underlying premise. I mean, I guess some of this goes back to something that Elon Musk retweeted. And, and again, we have to realize on social media. I mean, I know this is true of me also. We often see something. It seems interesting. I want my audience to be exposed to it. I may not even really agree with it, but I'm like, that's an interesting take. So I hit retweet, mm-hmm. right? It's not my way of saying I endorse this article. Right. It is merely a. Yep. Um, it's a mere like, guys, check this out. You might, this is something I think you might find interesting for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, this is so interesting. Let's, let's talk about it in the next, in the next segment. Pick it up. Yes. Debbie and I on a really good health journey, but we still struggle to eat enough fruits, veggies, and fiber. And guess what? We got to do it. Now, lucky for us, we discovered balance of nature. What better way to get all your fruits and veggies plus fiber? than with Balance of Nature. This is Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule, easy to take, made from fresh whole produce. The produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And this is Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice, a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices. 
for overall and digestive health. Join Debbie and me. Start your journey to better health right now. Call 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. You get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, it's balanceofnature.com or call 800-246-8751. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. So as we were talking about Elon Musk and Netanyahu and and all of that in this publication, they also talk about the the fact that Netanyahu also is chummy with Putin, Orban, of course, Musk, Endorgan, and Trump. And so they, he he lumps all these people together as as right wing Jewish haters, which you know how can I mean, you let, call- let's go through that list because it's a very interesting list and and, and a very mixed bag, right? Yeah, so you yeah. got first of all you've got Putin, yeah, and uh, and look, I mean Putin is not uh, buddies with Netanyahu, not at all. Oh, Russia, no. in fact, has its own objectives in the Middle East. Russia would much rather ally with the oil-producing Muslim nations against Iran, as Iran you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's just a lie. Yeah. Then we go to Viktor Orban. They hate Viktor Orban. I'll tell you why they hate him so much. They hate him because Viktor Orban is not only uh, not only wins elections again and again and again, but I read a speech of his recently where he goes, "We match the left." sort of army for army. So he goes, they have think tanks, we have think tanks. They have newspapers, we have newspapers. Isn't that what we should all this be doing? This is what we should be doing. You know, they have comedy shows, we have comedy yeah. shows. Yeah, so yeah. he's created in Hungary something that is desperately needed in the United States, exactly. an entire rival culture. Uh, A parallel culture. Yeah, I mean, we talk about I'm canceling my subscription to Disney+, Plus, but that's only because we're parasitic on Disney. We're parasitic on so many. We're even parasitic on Fox News. We're parasitic on all. So we are not only we are not only getting blasted by these organs of, of, of society. Mm-hmm. We're funding them. Right. And we don't even funding universities. We don't have an alternative. We that's want- the problem. Right. That's the problem. And then we have Erdogan. Now, Erdogan is the is the Islamic regime head of Turkey. Why? What does Netanyahu have to do with that guy? They're not friends. Yeah. Well, uh, Erdogan I think, is actually... I think, I think the reason that they're saying all this is because Netanyahu has reached out to these people. They have come to visit him. Right. And so they, you know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, you can't do that because they're anti-Semitic. And- well, let's remember that, that one way Israel is even getting hostages back is Hamas is not dealing directly with Israel. They will often release the hostages. You asked me this morning, yeah, why, why they releasing Egypt? The, why Egypt, you know, and why Qatar, why Turkey? So all these other countries come in and go, well, listen, you know, we will be honest brokers in these right. situations. So dealing with that in terms right. of negotiation and diplomacy is a whole different it, thing. It is. And then, of course, Trump. Trump loves Israel. Look right. how much he did for Israel. Right. In fact, didn't we see a sign that was like Trump? What was it? What oh, no, it was like a whole kibbutz. A kibbutz. It was like it, it, we saw a sign pointing to like the Trump kibbutz. Oh, yeah. A whole Jewish community named after yeah, Trump. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this yeah. was when he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. And again, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. So how dare they? Right. This. Right. I mean, it it, it shows me, that they are part of the smear machine. It, it is, and it shows, and they that, don't hesitate to do play it, that role. And it also shows that that to them, the left and left wing ideology is more important than Jewish uh, nationality. Really, in the end, that is in true. the end, that right? Is true. In fact, they were probably even reluctant to uh, come together as a country with Netanyahu and under Netanyahu to fight Hamas. And they're looking for a way to restore the old acrimony that was there in Israel. Yeah. Before yeah. these, before these Hamas attacks. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they are, to be fair, um, they, they are very much on board with, with the whole, you know, let's, let's take Hamas out because at the end of the day, it's Hamas their is their, yeah, it's their survival and Hamas is their enemy. Number one enemy, right? Yeah, so they're not going to praise so, Ilhan Omar right. or Rashida Tlaib. But on the other hand, if they can use... Don't, I don't see them co- condemning them either, though. Oh, that's You know what I mean? Yeah. So I haven't... I have yet to find an article condemning these women. 
Yeah. I'll keep looking. <laughs> right. But let me see if I find one. But anyway, it's 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 interesting and and seeing Well, the I think we have to perspective we have to realize that anti-Semitism itself, at least in this context, can be used with the same broad brush, the same promiscuity, the same unfair application as racism. Notice how for example, they'll call anybody a racist. In fact, even people that they know aren't racist, no, if they can entrap you into yeah, a single yeah. statement you made, they'll yeah. try to cancel you. Uh, Roseanne Barr being a good exactly. example will destroy your career, and afterwards we'll just pretend like it never happened. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's really, what's going on here. Really so sad, yeah. kudos to Elon Musk for resisting all this. Yeah, I think his trip to Israel was a shrewd move. Yeah, but yeah. I'm really excited about the way in which he has gone from just upholding free speech on X. To now, like militantly defending letting it, letting them have it. Yeah, and, and you, you should have seen the kind of you know idiot stare on the part of this Aaron Sorkin character because he clearly didn't expect Elon Musk to go in that direction because public figures rarely do. Yeah, and so he he kind of looks at him like he got slapped well, across the is, face. This is someone that doesn't need Apple, doesn't need Disney. He has more money than they do. And so, so he's able to. Right. Do Who's that more secure? More Elon Musk or the CEO of Disney, who could easily be booted by the shareholder? In fact, see, Disney has had some turnover of CEOs. Clearly, the current guy is a complete loser. His predecessor was another loser. I think the place is infested with losers and perverts. And one thing we can do to help Elon Musk is, is first of all, subscribe. In other words, become one of those uh, $8 a month guys. So Elon Musk is less dependent on advertising. Uh, And the second is use the platform to go after the people who are trying to boycott X. Mike Lindell just keeps on introducing really good deals. He's featuring the new MyPillow, My Towels. Save 50% off on the six-piece towel set, regular price $59.96, but now for a limited time, just $29.98 with promo code Dinesh. Debbie and I have Mike's My Towels all over the house. We love them for ourselves. We also like giving them away as Christmas presents, so there's an idea for you. My Towels six-piece set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. The towels are really uh, amazing. The long staple length of the Sherpa cotton fibers makes them very soft because of the long fibers. They can wrap around each other more easily, creating a smoother and softer fabric. Soft to the touch, but without the lotion-y feel and also super absorbent. Take advantage of the 50% off on the six-piece towel set. Call 800-876-0227. The number again, 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. One of the things that Elon Musk did in Israel was he spent time with people who had had direct experience, either from the police or victims, and he saw a lot of the footage that the Israelis have been very eager to show the world, and I'm sure they were very eager to show Elon Musk. So um, he had a close-up and personal encounter, if you will, with what Hamas did on the scene. And I've got to say that, in a way, without going to Israel, you're somewhat in the same position because you get a daily diet of videos. I see a few of them that you show me. Yeah, I don't want to show you all of them because I know how squeamish you are. I know you don't like the sight of blood. And boy, let me tell you, they are bloody. Yeah. Bloody and horrific. Um, You know, it, it. I get... Many, many, like probably I get maybe five a day that come in. They, they're uploaded. It's basically, um, it's, it's, I guess it's called, um, let me see what, what it is. It's, um, is it Telegram? Right. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, right? right. Telegram is the so, channel. That's how right. they're sent to you. So, the, but it's called graphic content Hamas massacre. And there's about 126 members. Uh, in this group, there's 126 of us who see these videos. And, and let me tell you, they are gruesome. I mean, like right now, I'm, I'm looking at one. Uh, they're dragging a girl. They just, they murdered her and they're dragging her. They picked her up and dragged her across the field. And, um, these are videos that they took, Hamas took. Right. Um, and, and some of them are live streamed. And I was showing you one yesterday 
that was very gory. It was, it was probably a bomb shelter and a group of, of Israelis were in there, you know, dead, but, but they were live streaming it. And you know how when you're live streaming, people like will send hearts. And, oh, and that's like, right. They're reacting they're to reacting, what's happening. And, and literally they were massacring these people. And as they were doing it, they were getting all these little hearts and likes going up. And I was, I, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Well, I mean, it. it's probably, you know, fair to say that they are live streaming to who? I mean, they're live streaming to, their to own Hamas. People. Yeah, exactly. Or, to it. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, yeah. I think that what that also does show you is that there's been a, an effort in the United States by the other part of the Biden sort of diplomats to say, well, there's a radical distinction between the Palestinians and Hamas. Now, I think there is some distinction, right? Hamas is an organized terrorist operation. You've got 2 million Palestinians living in the region. However, when Hamas live streams to the Palestinians and like, 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 love, great job, Not love, just like, love. I love. mean, that, that to me right. was just... Right. And it's not just, you know, I love the fact that you're you're fighting back or something, but no. look at what I'm witnessing. I'm yeah. witnessing the massacre a carnage. Of, the massacre of innocent civilians. Oh, right. And, and, you know, and, and that to me is just like you're raising a society of little devils is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I still, mean, imagine in this country, for example, if you were witnessing a similar carnage and you have a group of people in the country that are just cheering it. They're excited. It's happening They're They approve of it. You would think that you have a, a psychopathic segment of the population. Right. In, in other words, you'd be dealing with a problem, which is not that we have criminal psychopaths, but we have a criminal psychopathic lobby that is supports these people. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, almost like people who are excited about cartels. Imagine yeah, cartels yeah. broadcasting. We beheaded this guy. Here's a here's a video of the beheading. Yeah. And then all kinds of people, you know, like, in Mexico. Yay. go. This oh, is fantastic. Yeah. Love right, it. Right, Love right. it. Keep it up. Yeah. Wow. No, not so. Creepy. Very creepy. And so anyway, so so the content is is continually coming in. Right. And like this one, you know, documentation of a shocking murder committed in the shower. This woman was dragged by the hair and slaughtered. And I, and I saw the, the pic, right? It's just horrific. But these, these Hamas people are also very weird and clever because they are filming the, the, the propaganda of the, of the, uh, not the terrorists, the, um, uh, sequestered people, you know, the hostages coming out with the Red Cross. And in some instances, they will have like, the, like I saw one yesterday where a young girl, she was probably a one of the 15 year old girls that was released. She blows a kiss to one of the terrorists and says goodbye. And they show this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and it's, and then the, and then some of the older ladies, they wave and they, you know, they act like, like they're, you know, like they're going all, away on a trip and whatever. And, and, and I think in one case you told me that someone from the terrorist camp runs out with a water bottle yes, yes, as if yes, like, yes, you know, here's exactly. something to help you I on your so, journey. When, when the stories that are coming out are horrific, what they've been doing to these people. So it's it's a case of that Munchausen syndrome. Is it is that, that or, or it could be that or the other option would just be that these people realize, hey, listen, they I've been living to, in terror. Right. I don't, you know, they they probably told them, you know, you better yes. wave and blow a kiss yes. or we can shoot you. Yeah. yeah. So I it's mean, like, I don't want to cause any trouble. A young girl, she's, you know, yeah, she's smiling. No, no, I think she's smiling. She's I mean, look at her face. It's a little nervous. Yeah. Well, if you look yeah, at it more closely, yeah. she's, it's like, eh, yeah. you know, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. So and they're again, hugging and they're hugging them. And, and so it's just, it, it is, it is surreal that, that this is happening because I, I just, I don't this understand. Is, this it. is the world we live in, in which we have fed these images. And, you know, it's, you, you can just take them at face value. Now, obviously the Hamas videos are authentic. They, they made, are. Them. they made them. They showed what they were doing. They were actually proud of it. But some of these videos of, of captives waving at their captors. A kiss to we've them. got to view with appropriate skeleton. Oh. Guys, with the new movie Police State now out. Great time to become an annual subscriber to my Locals channel, because if you do, you get this movie, Police State, 2,000 Meals, a bunch of other movies, all included. 
I post a lot of exclusive content on Locals, including content that's censored on other social media platforms. On Locals, you get Dinesh Unchained, Dinesh Uncensored. You can also interact with me directly. I do a weekly live Q&A every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic is off limits. I've also uploaded a bunch of cool films to Locals, documentaries, feature films, my films, also films by other independent producers. And you know about the new film Police State. Get it included with your annual subscription. So check out my channel. It's Dinesh.locals.com. I'd love to have you along for this great ride. Again, it's Dinesh.locals.com. The movie Police State is streaming on multiple apps. In fact, it's streaming on Rumble, on Locals, on Epic TV, and also on Salem Now. And we are also selling DVDs through Shopify and through Salem Now. And the one-stop shop, both for the streaming and the DVDs, is the website policestatefilm.net. I may seem to be a little bit repetitive in saying this, but we get communications and email every day. Like, where do I see the movie? Can I look for it in the theater, Dinesh? No, it's not in the theater, but policestatefilm.net. And by the way, we've just introduced five packs and 10 packs of the DVDs. So if you're looking for stocking stuffers, an easy gift, we've discounted the prices on the bulk order. So five pack or a 10 pack order now. So you get them, get them soon. And there are plenty of time for, for Christmas. Go to policestatefilm.net to do that. Now, one of the things that I got to say gets a little bit under your skin is we have put up a little sign uh, on the website that if you want to have a group screening of the movie, we charge a modest license fee. I think it's like five dollars per person uh, if you want to show it, you know, at your church or in your Republican group. Uh, and the idea here is just to create a modest monetization for the business of the film, so we can keep doing films. But but on the other hand, inevitably, there are people who write us and they, it really goes to you. So you are the one who sees <laughs> all this, which is, Dinesh, why don't you offer the movie for free? I know. And, and we yeah. got this even with 2,000 meals. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I just, I'm speechless because I get it. I get that they want to see these things for free and I get that they want more people to see them. Right. And that way, in, in, a, in a perfect world, where money just grew on trees. And in, a just, in a communist utopia. Exactly, in a communist <laughs> utopia. Right? right. Not a capitalist one, a communist one. Uh, we would have all the money in the world to make these films for millions of dollars, and we wouldn't need to get any of it back, right? People would just uh, this is donate actually, the, the by money. By the way, this is the way it works on the left. You, yeah. you just get money rained down yeah. on you, and in a sense, you then become a free agent because you've got these billionaires bankrolling you. It's really important to realize that we have none of this on our we side. We have none of it and, it, and it takes a lot of effort to try to raise the money, and we're not just raising the money for donations. People aren't just donating money. They are investing money. So so the goal is to make their money back, return their capital, right? Return the loan. And then if we make a profit, great. But how many movies have we made? Like, you know, people yeah. assume that we're like multi, multi, multi millionaires based on these movies. And, and that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. I mean, I think the, this is a key point that by and large, the reason that you know we've done well over the years is because I've had a long career going back to illiberal education in 1992. So I've had, you know, a dozen best-selling books. I've given innumerable, more than I can count or you can count speeches. Um, so we have multiple streams of income and mm-hmm. we've been able to gradually build up a prosperity that way. Yeah. With the films, I think out of seven, we what? I think we have broken even on about two or three. We've made money on at least two, probably three. And we've lost money. And during COVID, we, yeah, we lost think, a lot yeah, of money yeah. on uh, on a couple of films we happened to release in that right, very unfortunate right. year for releasing movies. So here's the point. Our, our business model relies on being able to raise money in the hope that if we make it back, these guys will get their money back and they'll do it again. I even jokingly call it recycle philanthropy because none of us, I mean, not our investors and not us are ultimately doing this for money. We're yeah. doing this for the cause, but for the cause to work, for us to be able to help the cause, we need a viable business model that can be replicated. And so uh, this model of, of returning investment dollars to investors 
and then them giving it back to us to make the next film. This has kept us in business for a decade. If we didn't have this model, I would have made one or two films and I'd be like, okay, I'm done because I've, I've, yeah. I've exhausted the resources right, I right. can gobble up. Yeah. If, if we don't make any money on the movies, then we can't keep making movies. Right. Period. End of story. So, and, you know, and I mean, think of what we're asking of people. We're not asking of people to invest in our movies, to bankroll us in any way. But if you're not willing to spend five bucks, to, or or twenty bucks to or go twenty dollars the if you or, want to stream the movie. Yeah. I think the movie's at nineteen ninety nine right now. Yeah. The DVD packs I think are fifteen dollars. So look, I mean this this is nothing more than an effort for us to recover our investment. Mm-hmm. I think you know we make good movies. In other words, we could do a movie for a hundred thousand dollars. I would interview three or four people. <laughs> we would then cut the interviews together and pull up some public footage from the media, slap it together, put a little music, and that would be the movie. But you wouldn't want to I'm go not to the even theater. Sure we could afford to do the music unless I did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I, I do it for free. And, and we're not even counting all the risks. I mean, think of the risk of making a movie like Police State. There's always the risk, not even the risk of being, of being, uh, of having an FBI raid. There's mm-hmm. a risk of having personal lawsuits exposing us to personal liability. Then we have to hire lawyers to defend ourselves. So we're kind of, I think what we're reacting to is we feel like we're on the front line fighting this stuff. And then we're getting back kind of backseat advice from guys who go, well, listen, yeah. guys, you put in all this money, you put in all this work, and you take all this kind of risk and, and then the, just give it away. The other I don't- thing, and the other thing that floored me was with 2000 Mules, when people were pirating the movie and they were they were doing screenings without paying the, the licensing fee. And I was like, guys, this movie's about fraud. <laughs> and yet here we are. Here we are. <laughs> We're discussing a very interesting segment in the Gulag Archipelago where Solzhenitsyn is talking about a Russian liberation army that emerged in Russia, in the Soviet Union, to liberate Russians from the Soviet Union. And this happened toward the end of World War II. Solzhenitsyn admits actually no Russian liberation army existed until almost the very end of the war. He goes before... There were groups of people, particularly from the so-called ethnic territories controlled by the Soviets, who decided to fight on the German side. They were allied with the Germans, not because they were Nazis or because they liked the Nazis per se, but they realized, listen, we've got this invading army. This is an opportunity for us to get our own freedom by overthrowing the Soviet dictatorship under Stalin. So think of what a difficult position these people are in there. They're supposed to be fighting for the Soviet army against the Germans, and the Germans are the external tyranny, but there's an internal tyranny, and that, of course, is Stalin. Nevertheless, says Solzhenitsyn, the Lithuanians were the first to start supporting the Germans. Then the Ukrainians formed a voluntary SS division. Then a few Estonians joined them. Then some Belarusians joined them. And so altogether, there is tens of thousands of people who support the German side, again, supporting the German side as a mechanism, as a tool to overthrow the Soviet uh, gulag, to overthrow the Soviet dictatorship. And um, uh, and ultimately, there was a Soviet general, a guy named Vlasov, who decided, we're going to create a Russian liberation army within Russia. Uh, Vlasov kind of moved into that very slowly. In 1942, he was thinking about it. Uh, and then he ha- slowly came to the view that there was no way uh, to defeat National Socialism in Russia. Remember, Stalin was also a National Socialist. We think of National Socialism as defining the Nazis, uh, and it did. Uh, and initially, the Soviets were international socialists. They were the workers of the world unite, very much in the kind of Marxist mode. But once World War II began, Stalin goes, kind of forget about the other countries. We're not trying to create any kind of international movement here. This is national socialism focused on what Stalin himself called Mother Russia. We're defending Mother Russia. So there's a nationalism that goes along with the socialism. So... Uh, right, Solzhenitsyn, they, that these guys realized, quote, it was impossible to overthrow the Bolsheviks without the Germans. Why? Because here's this external force, heavily armed, very militarized, in fact, very powerful. And so we need those guys as an ally. Um, and, um, now, says so Solzhenitsyn, Hitler 
And Solzhenitsyn here is like, this is how, in a sense, foolish, strategically unwise Hitler was. He goes, Hitler was unable to understand the historical fact that the opportunity to overthrow a communist regime can come only from a popular movement, from an uprising of the long-suffering population. So, in other words, Solzhenitsyn goes, listen, Hitler, he's not talking directly to Hitler, but he's speaking that language, Is he's like, Hitler, you know, who's going to overthrow Russia? Guess what? All the tens of millions of people who are in Russia, who are terrified of this tyranny of Russia, you have a huge ally kind of right under your nose, and you don't even see it. So why didn't Hitler see it? Well, here Solzhenitsyn has a remarkable observation. He goes, but Hitler was more afraid of such a Russia and such a victory than of a defeat. So here's Solzhenitsyn intimating, very interesting and controversial kind of statement. He's like, Hitler didn't really want a independent Russia in which you've got patriotic uh, and strong Russians who don't believe in tyranny, believe in freedom. Uh, Hitler didn't want that. Hitler maybe would prefer uh, Stalin or even prefer to be defeated by Stalin than to ally and help to sustain a kind of independent uh, Russia. Now, um, the um, problem was that uh, Hitler did not support these Blasov regiments, the Russian Liberation Army. And so think about it. The Russian Liberation Army is kind of like caught between a rock and a hard place, as they say. Who's the rock? The Germans. Who's the hard place? Stalin. And so if you go against Stalin and you're not allied with the Germans you're basically doomed. And this is exactly what happened to this Russian Liberation Army. Uh, he says, ultimately, they were all captured. Ultimately, he says they were, quote, these people were sent as cannon fodder in the fight against the Allies and against the French resistance. That is against the only forces with whom the Russians and Germany could have had a genuine feeling of solidarity. So here's Solzhenitsyn again. And here's a guy, think about it. Here's a fellow who um, has just this not only a deep understanding of human nature, human psychology, the nature of tyranny, the operations of the gulag, he's also a very shrewd strategist. And he goes, listen, this Russian Liberation Army could not have allied really with the Germans. Why? Because the Germans are too much like the Soviets. They're the same, the same ilk. They're, they're tyrants over here, tyrants over there. So the only true friends of the Russian Liberation Army are the Allies, are the French, the French resistance, are the English who are fighting against the Germans, and is the United States. But here we come to a bitter irony that I will pick up um, tomorrow, which is Solzhenitsyn goes, even though ultimately the Russian Liberation Army came to realize that the Allies were its only friends, the people who didn't realize that and in fact helped to betray them to Stalin were the allies themselves. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.